Hi everyone, and welcome to the Medicare Agent Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Jacobson. Today we're talking with Ashley Kaur in Richmond, Virginia, about how he built his Medicare agency and why it's a no-brainer for every group health agent to start selling Medicare. On this episode, we're going to talk about how he purchased a book of business, the financial case for helping Medicare-eligible employees transition off the group plan, and so much more. Here's a clip from today's conversation. The obvious spinoff was, hey, people who are 65 and older, they can come off the plan. They can lower your average age. They can lower your claim dollars spent, right? Your claim bucket doesn't get hit with those people who are in the natural increased claims times of their lives, right? This is when they're going to start having claims. So it's good for the group, right? Because now they're more competitive. Their, their claims are better. You know, when they go out to quote, their average age is lower. They don't have these 65 and older. So it's good for the group. It's good for the agent because you're actively helping the group save money, right? And it doesn't have to be a let's cut benefits or let's do something, you know, cutting edge. It's, hey, let's just do what's easy, the natural path. Let's move them to Medicare, right? And then there's no downside for the client, right? You're not pushing the client into something that's a lesser product. You're pushing the client into something almost all the time is a better product for less money. So that that sort of generates its own momentum, right? Because once a, an agent starts to see that and realizes, well, not only am I curating my group's normal day-to-day operation for their group business, but now their offboarding of people who are eligible for Medicare helps them for the next renewal cycle, for the next maybe two or three or five years. And you could take one person out of a group of 100, right? And if that one person saves you three, four, five hundred thousand dollars in claims, the math is so simple you don't even have to look at it twice. That's just a tiny taste from today's fantastic show. The Medicare Agent Podcast is sponsored by Fairstreet. Fairstreet is a CRM for Medicare agents that helps them manage all of their clients in one place. You can collect prescriptions, quote and enroll, create custom intake forms, do call recording, and so much more. Go to thefairstreet.com to learn more. All right, let's get started with today's show. Perfect. Ashley, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today. It's such a pleasure to be speaking with you. And I know we're catching you right before AEP begins. It begins in two days. So just so appreciative that you're taking the time to speak with us. Absolutely. Sure. It's my, my pleasure. I'm happy to, uh, happy to be here and look forward to uh, the conversation. Me too. To kick things off, would it be really helpful for you to just tell us your story? If you could retrace your career and tell us how you got where you are. Sure. Yeah. It's a, a bit of luck and a bit of time, I guess, is all it was. So I started on the uh, carrier side with Anthem in the early 90s, <clears throat> doing uh, traditional customer service. And then uh, they developed the first broker service line at that time. So I did a lot of that um, until about 97 when I moved on to Southern Health, which is now, I don't even know who they are now. Maybe they're gone altogether. But so just kind of escalated that way. And after a little work time in the carrier world, I went over to the broker side and started working for an independent agent. Um, and that lasted for 10 or 15 years. And that agency, um, I learned a lot about group insurance. I learned a lot about the people who sell group insurance and the clients who buy it and kind of picked up a lot of the little nuances that you need to kind of stay around and stay relevant. And towards the end of that run with that agency, um, the lady that I used to refer all of my Medicare to, she's probably the most intelligent Medicare person I'd ever met. Um, she actually stopped me in the middle of a meeting and asked me if I wanted to buy her book of business. So it was out of the blue and it struck me and uh, again, that's where my Medicare story really starts is that amazing opportunity that uh, changed my life really and just kind of uh, took me on a different path. So yeah, and that brought me uh, brought me here. Yeah. It sounds like a really amazing opportunity that just kind of fell from the sky in getting this book of business in Medicare. 
backing up a little bit, when you were on the group health insurance side, why weren't you doing Medicare until this opportunity came along? Yeah, good question. So I think like a lot of agents, it was considered um, by the folks running that agency to be not worth the time. Um, you know, the, the certification, uh, the different product-based knowledge you have to have, and the fact that due to the perceived less commission, you know, the, the lesser amounts made off of Medicare, it wasn't worth the time. It was much better to spend your time chasing group clients because they paid so much more. And this was, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. So the, the medical world, up, excuse me, the group insurance world was much different. Um, before pre-ACA, um, commissions hadn't changed, bonuses were still flowing, the carriers were still, you know, flush with cash. So it was a different look, you know, for an agency to, to try to find revenue streams. They didn't want to waste the time on what was perceived as a minor, you know, minor commissionable product. I see. And so when this person came along and said, do you want to buy my Medicare book of business? Walk me through that. What, what went into that decision? I imagine it yeah. wasn't just a yes on the spot. Well, no, it was, it was funny. It was actually no on the, well, not no, but uh, so we were at a group of mine and I brought her in to sign up a guy on to Medicare who's leaving the group, turning 65. And he left the room to go get his wallet so he could get his Medicare card. And when he left, she turned to me and said, would you like to buy my book of business? And I did. I laughed quite a bit because, you know, it just fell out of nowhere. And my initial response was, well, I'm assuming you want some money for it. So, you know, probably not. And uh, so I agreed to email her later and get a little more of the details because um, I was intrigued. But again, you know, financially at that time, there was no way to, you know, buy a book of business, you know. Um, so, yeah, I emailed her back and said, I'd love to, but we'd have to work something out, you know, on the financial side. And she, for whatever reason, wanted me to have the book of business. So she was very generous on how we did our financing and our terms and allowed me to essentially take over the book with zero out of pocket and, you know, just, uh, kind of pay-as-you-go sort of deal. So, yeah, a very unique opportunity. That's incredible. And I think part of it, which, you know, you're being very humble about, is that you had really impressed her and built a lot of trust in a long-term relationship with her where she yeah. wanted her clients to be taken care of by you, which is a really important part of that. As Yeah, I'd like to think that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> As you transitioned the business and, the, and her clients over to you, what was that process like? And I guess what advice would you have for anyone that is considering buying a book of business to make that transition really smooth and taking care of clients? Sure. Yeah, it was a big change for me because, again, I had never sold anything uh, in the Medicare world at all. I had referred everything over and really paid no attention to it once I sent it over to her. So I think the key for our success was, you know, twofold. You know, one, she stayed around for two years um, to make sure that the clients were taken care of, that I understood what I was doing, that, you know, things got recorded properly and, you know, all the sort of transitional details got worked out with time. We weren't in a rush. We weren't trying to get it all done and, and, and that sort of deal. So that was, I think, the biggest part was having her around. It helped us, you know, cement our friendship and, and keep on building the business because it was in her best interest for me to succeed. If I didn't succeed, she didn't get paid. And you know, so everybody wanted uh, to, to win. So I think that was, you know, the biggest part. Um, and the other part really was I am lucky enough to have a lot of friends who sell group insurance on, you know, various different levels. And those folks, you know, rallied around and decided to start sending me all of their Medicare business. So it was easy for me to start having a stream of new clients, my own clients, because I already knew people in the group world and they also didn't want to do Medicare. So they knew me, were happy to send it to me. And, and that was, you know, also very fortunate. So I was, uh, you know, it wasn't a difficult path um, for sure, but I think having um, people stay around who know what's going on and know their clients 
kept my clients, you know, kept the word of mouth coming. There was no real upset. Nobody ever was upset that they left and I stayed and that sort of deal. So that was the most important thing, I think. Right. That, yeah. that makes a ton of sense. And I, I want to dig into more of how you built referral partnerships. But one more question on that moment of transition after you bought the book of business, which is yeah, sure. presumably you didn't know a lot about Medicare before you had this book of business. No. What, how did you get up to speed? And if you're willing to share, what were any of the early mistakes you made? Well, I think, yeah, I think getting up to speed was just trial by fire, right? We, we had clients coming in all the time. So I started just sitting in every meeting. Um, you know, as a side, you know, I was still running the other agency. I had not left yet. So for about two years, I ran one agency and owned my own. So I had was crossing over quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just jumped in with both feet and watched as many, you know, in-person meetings as possible and went through the details of how they do it and that sort of thing. I mean, certainly my mistakes early on were documentation, right? Because there's so many documentation rules, do it this way, that way, timeframes, you know, all of Medicare's kind of unique stuff that group insurance really doesn't have. So that was my, you know, sticking point, right? Make sure you do that. Maybe you have to do it twice and that sort of thing. So, you know, that took me a while to learn. But I think I was lucky, again, that I wasn't in a hurry to be successful. There was already a book here. It could maintain itself so I could take my time and not rush through. Um, I didn't have to try to see 50 clients, you know, in a month. I could take them as I wanted. And that was really advantageous. So I didn't make any colossal mistakes. Um, I just made little ones that were easily corrected. <laughs> Makes sense. And I know now you've transitioned almost fully to Medicare. You still have some group clients, but Medicare is your main focus. Yep. Why is that? And what is your motivation for doing mostly Medicare at this point in your career? Well, again, you know, this book that I took over was really running quite smoothly in the word of mouth world, right? We got a lot of referrals going on. So I had a steady stream of that. And, you know, the group business world there's not much new group business to be had. So you're really taking from others, you know, it's really a scratch and claw and, and kind of grind sort of world. And I'll be really honest, I didn't want to do that, right? I had no interest in trying to be the 80 hour a week guy who was out working everybody else. That wasn't, I wouldn't have bought an agency if that's what I wanted to do, I guess I would have, you know, continued in the group world and tried to try to do that. So, you know, I found that the pace of sales, the, the ease of clients coming in, that you knew who they were, that they knew a client had already been there, you know, that whole relationship part really kind of flowed together. So it made the meetings, you know, friendly and easy and, and positive. Um, so that was really encouraging. And then someone who'd been in the group world for a long time, you hand out bad news almost every day, right? The group world, very little good news is happening. And in the Medicare world, it's almost always good news. I mean, I've hand out almost no bad news, right? It's cheaper. It's better. It's easier. It lasts forever. They take care of you, right? So having those conversations just makes you not want to have the other conversations anymore. So it's easy to say, hey, look, I'd rather spend my time doing what feels and, and I think is right by taking care of people, you know, in that need when they move to Medicare and everybody's happy, right? If I help a group move somebody to Medicare, everybody's happy. The group's happy. I'm happy. The client's happy. And that's so rare in the insurance world that, you know, it just kind of, a, you know, it's a magnet. You don't want to go anywhere else. That makes a lot of sense. And I think, I guess I had never really considered that, you know, in the group insurance world, the news you're delivering is your premium's higher, you know, your, your carrier is cutting benefits. And in Medicare, you know, the benefits continue to get better and the coverage is often better than what someone's getting through their employer. So it's really a lot of good oh, yeah. news that you're delivering at that point in time. Yeah, and if you look at, say, the you know, employee-spouse rate in the group world, and, and say you're both employee-spouses are you know, turning 65, you're talking about probably an average premium in the $1,000-plus-a-month range for a $2,000 deductible limited network plan versus Medicare is 100 and 
$20 each a month, you know, there's no limit. There's no hardly any deductible. So it's, it's literally for people's lives, right? Night and day. Mm-hmm. You just freed up a thousand dollar budget item for them. And it's massive. It's a massive change for them and their benefits are better, much better. Right. No, that's, that has a huge impact as someone's going through a huge life transition and you get to tell yeah. them you're going to save all this money on your health insurance. Yeah. 100%. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about why more group health agents should be doing Medicare like you did. And I know you have a lot of great you know, data and thought leadership here uh, on this opinion, but why don't you just talk, talk through your rationale for why you think Medicare is overlooked and more people in the group health world should be focused on it? Sure. Yeah. So it's kind of evolved. You know, again, I know a lot of folks who sell group insurance and of all different levels. And the group insurance is in a mad race towards everybody being in the level or self-funded world, meaning uh, your claims matter again. Right. It's not ACA world. It's not book rates. It's your claims matter. And those are the only places, those plans, those carriers offering those benefit plans are the only places groups of all sizes now, you know, from five to 500 can get a break on these arbitrarily high ACA book rates. So as that started to evolve and become more and more prevalent over the last, say, three to five years, and really it's, it's in full gear now, the obvious spinoff was, hey, people who are 65 and older, they can come off the plan. They can lower your average age. They can lower your claim dollars spent, right? Your claim bucket doesn't get hit with those people who are in the natural increased claims times of their lives, right? This is when they're going to start having claims. So it's good for the group, right? Because now they're more competitive. Their their claims are better. You know, when they go out to quote, their average age is lower. They don't have these 65 and older. So it's good for the group. It's good for the agent because you're actively helping the group save money, right? And it doesn't have to be a, let's cut benefits or let's do something, you know, cutting edge. It's, hey, let's just do what's easy, the natural path. Let's move them to Medicare, right? And then there's no downside for the client, right? You're not pushing the client into something that's a lesser product. You're pushing the client into something almost all the time is a better product for less money. So that that sort of generates its own momentum, right? Because once a, an agent starts to see that and realizes, well, not only am I curating my group's normal day-to-day operation for their group business, but now their offboarding of people who are el- eligible for Medicare helps them for the next renewal cycle, for the next maybe two or three or five years. And you could take one person out of a group of 100, Right, and if that one person saves you three, four, five hundred thousand dollars in claims, the math is so simple you don't even have to look at it twice. Right, you it right. doesn't even matter. Even if Medicare didn't pay commission at all, as a group agent, you're crazy not to take them off just to benefit the group, right? Because you want the group to stay and think you're a good agent and continue to pay you commission on the group side, right? So if you don't do what's best there, you could lose that side of it. Now, the bonus is you do get paid commission, right? And what's nice about Medicare, and you know, I admittedly do a lot of Medicare supplement more than I do advantage, but those clients are well taken care of and stay forever. You don't have to spend a lot of time managing them. There's not a lot of, you know, uh, ins and outs of claim issues, provider issues, you know, plan issues. It's kind of get them in the right place and they're happy for a really long time. So, you know, your dollar per, you know, hour worked per client, you know, if you're doing that math, it's really advantageous on the Medicare side, right? I spend an hour to sign you up and you'll stay for 20 years. You know, try to do that on the group side, right? It's impossible. So I think it's a natural fit and people are starting to see that, yeah, look, everybody's going self-funded. One or two people can make a massive difference because as as you probably know, 20% of the people drive 80% of the claims in group world, right? Well, if that 20% of the people, if you can take a few out, you know, you've really had a substantial effect on the claims uh, hit. Uh, possible claim hit. So, you know, it's it's a natural momentum. And the more people you show it to, the more they realize it. And 
while for many years, those people sent those clients to me, right? My friends who sold group insurance, and they still do, but many of them sent them to me, and I'm happy to have them. But what I've told them is, you know, you could keep it for yourself, right? If you sign up 20 Medicare people in a year, that's the same as signing up a 20-man group. And you certainly wouldn't ever turn away a 20-man 20, 20 group client. So why are you turning away the equivalent just because it's different, mm-hmm. right? So once you give them a couple of, of uh, instances, a couple examples, you know, do a little bit of math and show them the dollars because insurance agents, you know, they like the dollars. Um, once you've shown that, then they understand, yeah, let me get involved. And then if you get them the right tools, and I have to say, you know, the Fair Street product helped me convert a couple of people because it's an easy tool to use, right? They didn't have to learn a whole lot. They didn't have to invest a lot of time in figuring out how to quote and, and how to data store, right? They were just able to say, okay, I have these things. Now I have a place to put them. So now they don't spend a lot of time doing it, which again, their, their, you know, their modicum of, of success is little less time is better and more money is better. And right. this kind of does that. Right. One thing building on that, that I hear a lot from people in the group health insurance world is Medicare is so complicated. I don't know where to start. It's going to take me a lot of time. Can you go a little further? Why, like, why do people hold that? Why do people think it's so complicated to do Medicare? And what would you say to them now that you've been on the other side doing Medicare? Well, it's interesting. Um, I was talking to some people just at at lunch just yesterday about the same thing, right? And I think the best I can figure out is most of it comes from the selling of Medicare to the public is presented in a very complicated way, right? You're overwhelmed during AEP with advertisements for plans. You don't necessarily know what that means. So if you're someone who maybe isn't interested or eligible for the plan, but you're a normal person listening to this advertisement, you think, well, that's that's super complicated, right? How, how are you figuring that out? What's the difference between all of these things that are offered? So that's kind of the start. I think they get a lot of their information from the general media of what Medicare is, and that can be a little confusing. The other side is it's just not what they do every day, right? They they would tell you that signing up a 100-man group with six different lines of coverage is easy and Medicare is difficult. And what I, you know, for that just makes me chuckle because there's nothing easier than presenting a Medicare quote with, you know, the options that are available to you once you've a- analyzed their actual need. You don't have to plow very deep. It's right there on the surface, right? It's, the obvious answers are, are right there. So I think it's just a misconception. I think the people that I've shown it to, again, it's you. it takes you a while to know how to present it, right? Know how to look out for the data. But once you learn that, the plan choices are very simple, right? Every plan G is a plan G. There's not much to learn about that, right? A and B are just A and B. There's not much to learn about that. So I think a lot of it is just misinformation and, and perceived from general advertisement stuff, which is not really relevant to the selling process or the signing up process. Right. And to your point, the tools have gotten so much better over the last few yeah. years. I mean, even Medicare.gov is yeah. a great tool for both consumers and agents. And there are quoting systems, there are tools like ours at Fair Street that just yeah. make it easier to get the data you need. And to your point, the answers reveal itself once you put in someone's you know, prescriptions and pharmacies and doctors, it's pretty clear from that point onwards what's going to be the best fit. Yeah. And I think they don't realize and they, you know, haven't really, you know, ever experienced signing up a client and never having to deal with it again. You know, not because you don't want to, but just because it works smoothly, right? There are no claims issues. Nobody ever calls and says, my service wasn't paid for or my doctors, you know, it just doesn't happen. So again, if your ideal book of business is the less I touch it, the more money I make, you don't touch anything less than Medicare. Right, right. Especially once, you know, on the Medicare supplement side, things change pretty infrequently. If there's yeah. a big rate increase, you're going to have to reach out to those clients. But yeah. people are generally quite happy and stay with those plans for a very long time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Very little, very little, um, you know, volatility in that world. Sure. 
I want to shift gears again and ask you about your referral partnerships. You mentioned this very early on, but you've done a really excellent job at building local partnerships with employers, with group brokers, uh, through the National Association of Health Underwriters in Virginia. You're incredibly well-networked. Tell us how you were able to build a lot of those referral partnerships and why you think it's gone so well. I mean, I'm very fortunate to have been, I guess, doing it for a really long time. So so I've been around long enough where, you know, a lot of people know who I am and a lot of my friends are very successful group brokers. So that is helpful. I give most of the credit to them, not to me. Um, And, you know, they're happy to help me succeed, right, as I'm happy to help them succeed. So we try to stay in a non, you know, aggressive or non-competitive environment. We're just all here to help each other, right? I don't sell in their space. They don't sell in my space. They don't necessarily want to come to the Medicare world, but they do want their clients well taken care of, especially some of my broker partners who have very large groups, let's say in the four or 500,000 man, you know, groups, they're very important clients, right? You don't want to mess up a thousand life group over a Medicare, right? So you have to find a partner that you're willing to work with who you know will take good care of your clients, right? So that's a long relationship process, right? That's going to take years to develop. So that was a benefit that I had going into this that I already knew people. So the minute I started doing Medicare, uh, I was able to kind of turn on that tap and they were nice enough to send me uh, some clients. I think for those getting into it, they need to look around at their fellow agents who don't want to do it, maybe have a different business model, don't have the time or the staff or don't want to commit to it just yet and realize that all of those folks have clients who need Medicare help, right? The world, as we talked about, is changing. The self-funded world is coming and everybody needs to know, hey, how do I offboard these people? How do I get them to the right plan? So they're happy, group's happy, I'm happy. So I think they, those networks are probably built in for everybody who, who sells. They just don't necessarily see it yet because right? they're not doing Medicare and nobody's doing Medicare, so nobody talks about it. But as soon as you say, hey, you know, I've got my license, I've got this handy tool that makes it really quick and easy, why don't you send them my way? It's, it's, I think it's an easy start. Right. It just starts happening. I know, you know you've talked about referral partners that are group brokers. Do you also have referral partners outside of that sort of profile? I, I think you also work with some employers directly, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, I have a few. Again, most of those um, are, you know, from years gone by. So it's, it's a kind of a, a long-term relationship. So some of those um, directly. But I would say nowadays, um, most of it is broker-related into those, into those employers and, and kind of coming that way. But again, I, I think there's no shortage of when you put yourself out there as having the ability to help either a group or a broker who's working with a group. Um, there's no shortage of people who are, need that assistance, right? There's still not a lot of us doing Medicare, certainly not who are focused on the kind of symbiotic relationship with the group world, right? Most Medicare people are just strictly in the Medicare world. They don't really cross over much. So if you're able to kind of get that you know, duality and have both going at the same time and have both networks combining with each other, I think it's not a hard ask. And I think there's a lot of it out there that's undeveloped. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And a lot of it, to your point, is just putting yourself out there and raising your hand and saying, I do Medicare. And all these people that don't want to do it for whatever reason yeah. are going to be really excited that you said something. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Looking to the future, I know you've been in both the insurance on the group side world and now in Medicare for some time, and I'm sure you've seen the landscape really shift. What changes have you seen and where do you think that will take us, uh, particularly on the Medicare side? How do you see that changing for independent agents? Yeah, I guess the biggest change, if, it, if it's a change, is, you know, there's just a flood of people who need Medicare assistance. You know, the landscape for members or people getting information directly from the media, from advertisements, from all that stuff has become so cluttered 
that they're lost, right? Their mailbox is full from October through December, and that causes more problems than it solves, right? So what I see is that's only going to get worse, right? There's a lot of money up for grabs. There's a lot of people turning 65 every day. That generation is flooding the marketplace, right? And people know that, and they're going to want to take advantage of that in any way they can. And the more they flood it with information, the more confusing it gets. So those people really do need a clearinghouse that says, look, throw all that stuff away. Let's start from scratch, right? Don't get sidetracked by people who just want to make a dollar because that's, at the end of the day, that's what that is. So I think that's not ending. I think that only ramps up over time. Unless there's some giant federal change, I think people will just keep flooding mailboxes because there's a lot of money to be made off of seniors. And that's, you know, it's unfortunate. Right. That's the biggest thing I hear across the board from people coming in, right? It's become so confusing that even if I thought I could do it, I'm not sure I've been doing it right anyway, so I need help. Right. And that just leads me. Well, I was just going to ask a follow up on that, which is, you know, we've certainly heard that as well, that consumers are completely flooded by marketing. And it's a large part of why we started Fairstreet is because we think everyone should be working with someone like you who's local and trusted and, you know, knows them personally. Have you seen that impact your own business? Because these companies are spending so much money on marketing. It's hard to compete, if you will, as as an independent agent. How has this affected your business? Well, you know, I'll say that I'm not a fan of the money spent on, I mean, the Medicare Advantage world is where the money is spent, right? They're never going to advertise a Medicare supplement and no one's ever going to take me out to dinner to, to, to woo me into selling their Medicare supplement, right? So I don't like the fact that they're clearly showing their hand, that all the money's in the Medicare Advantage world. It doesn't necessarily benefit the client directly, right? It's not a one-to-one, it's, it's, but it's sold as that, right? It's the best, it's the thing, right? You should be doing that. If you want to have a successful agency, you should be selling that. So I think it's unfortunate, and I think it's probably not going to stop anytime soon. I mean, I think the carriers know that that's where the bread and butter is. Um, The zero premium plans are very attractive. They're easy to market, right, easy to confuse. And they certainly have their place. But I wish they were a little better uh, defined in their advertising, unless it was a little, you know, more curated on, on, on what you're saying and how you're pitching it. So, you know, from that standpoint, I think people like me, you know, have an advantage over the big, you know, houses because, we're not influenced by the anthems, the United's, uh, you know, the Etnas of the world, right? They're not throwing dollars at me to sell their product. They don't know that I exist in their world, right? And because of that, my view is still clear. I'm not beholding to anybody. And a lot of clients think when you come in that, you know, do you work for Anthem? Do you work for United? Do you work for whomever, right? Are you, you know, committed to those products? And I think they're encouraged to know that I'm, I bill myself as a mercenary. I work for the client themselves, right? I'll do whatever is best for them. And that's a lot different than what they've been hearing on all these advertisements, right? Or from other people who are locked into one carrier or another, you know, for whatever reason. So I think the more confusion that these carriers cause, it's the more opportunity for people like me, right? Because if you make it complicated and I make it simple, at the end, I win. Right. So, and it sounds yeah, like yeah. you both are playing different games, right? The, <laughs> the folks running the Joe Namath TV ads are, yes. running, are playing yes. a completely different game than you, yeah. where you're getting right. referrals from trusted sources. These are people that live in the same town as you. It, it's just, you know, you're not really competing in, in that way. Yeah. I mean, that game is a short-term cash flow game, whereas mine is a long-term equity game, right? I, I'll have clients for forever, and those people have clients for six months. Right. 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 And that's they're willing to play that game. Right. Because there's enough money in the backside of it to make that return on investment worth the, the risk. In my world, it's just diff- just the opposite. I'd rather have it very straightforward and sell less, but it stays for longer. Right. My clients are happier. I sleep well at night. Nobody's at risk. 
you know, nobody's upset. Nobody's not able to get the care they need. So everybody has won. Um, and it's just a different strategy. Absolutely. One last question for you, which is we talked about the future of where Medicare is going and how you see it changing. What are your hopes for your own business and where you hope it to be in the future? Yeah, well, you know, um, I guess just keep going as it's going. I, you know, I really don't uh, have any necessarily plans or, or, or growth goals, if you will. You know, um, I'm very fortunate that a lot of business comes through the door and, you know, I've got good clients and I meet good people all the time. Um, and I'm able to help people get to a better place. You know, the tools that I've used have in the last year or so gotten a lot better. So it makes it a lot easier on me. Um, you know, I have to say, you know, uh, using my Fair Street CRM and being able to do that makes my life a little easier. So that's nice. And I can keep track of things a little better. Um, you know, the agency itself, you know, I, I'd like to keep going for a few more years and then find somebody like myself who would be an asset to the Medicare community, to my clients, you know, and just pass on that opportunity that someone passed on to me. I guess that's the only real goal I look out to maybe 10 or 15 years is, you know, how do I find the right person for my clients and continue this agency on with the right person um, and help somebody, you know, have a better life than, than they're currently doing, like someone did for me. So other than that, I don't, you know, we just take it day by day and, and have a good time. Right. No, I love that. It, will come full circle at some point in time. Yeah. And I know also you have, you know, a tremendous amount of um, community engagements that you're involved with outside of work. And this agency and doing Medicare allows you to give back to the community and yes. be involved in nonprofits, which are incredibly important to you. Yeah, again, you know, it, and it's another selling point, I think, to agents, you know, if you want to work less and be able to do more, you know, Medicare is the place to be. I'm happy to show you how that roadmap works. But yeah, I am allowed, I've allowed myself time because of the way it's set up here that I can do nonprofit work. I can help other entrepreneurs chase their dreams um, with whatever time I have available. And I think at the end of the day, it just makes for a more well-rounded life experience for me. So, yeah. Well, we've certainly been beneficiaries of, of that and you passing along your wisdom to us. So we're very grateful. Ashley, yeah. thank you so, so much for being on, on the podcast with us. We always learn a sure. tremendous amount when I talk to you. And I really, really appreciate your time um, during this busy season. Sure. It's always a pleasure and I'm a huge fan. So I, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thanks so much.